Thanks. Thank you for sharing with us. Uh, before our mission trip to Ecuador uh, ever began, or the day that we were commissioning uh, the, I guess, 18 altogether uh, to go to Ecuador, uh, the message that I sought to communicate um, is that life is not a playground, it's a battleground. And throughout uh, our, our time in, in Ecuador, I think it was clear to us that it was a battleground. There was a lot of things, as uh, our brother shared and as you will begin to hear, that caused us to realize that, yeah, life is war. Life is a battleground. There's bullets flying around everywhere. There are casualties all around us. There's an enemy that is real who wants his kingdom to advance against the kingdom in which we find ourselves a part of, the kingdom of God. And as uh, we saw that taking place, yeah, I think most of us would would be able to say that, yeah, we believe that with even greater certainty now that we're on the other side of coming back home, that life is a war ground, is a battleground, and there's a fight going on in the battlefield, not only of human hearts, but in nations and throughout the world. But the reality is that um, our God is victorious and that Christ has won, and the troops have come back home. And this is exciting for us to be able to continue to tell of what God has done. Um, can we... Maybe we can do this. If you went to Ecuador, right? If you were part of the team that went, um, can we just as a homecoming give a round of applause as you guys stand? Can you do that, those who went? Can you guys stand up? We can welcome you home. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wonderful. Wonderful. Boy, their stories uh, will be inspiring. They were phenomenal, phenomenal on-the-field soldiers. But I, I think that um, not only for those who went, were part of the team, but uh, clearly uh, the message I wanted to articulate is that those who sent were as much a part and were vital. I mean, you will hear stories of, of times where the bus moved forward about, you know, however many distance, and within moments a landslide would come and would knock out the road right behind it, right? Just literally seeing the provision and the protection of God. Um, that's nothing that the people on the bus did. It's everything to do with the prayers of the people on the hill. And so if you were part of the group that sent, like I prayed, I prayed a day, I prayed a meal. When my Facebook feed was blowing up, I prayed every I, I, I prayed for the people who are in Ecuador. I think those who went need to see you guys too and to say thank you for keeping them where they were. Right, so if you prayed, at least, you know, for whatever you think that means, I prayed. You prayed at a meal. You prayed on the toilet. You prayed in their shower. Whatever it is, I, but I prayed for those who are in Ecuador. Can you guys stand? And hopefully it's a lot. But can you guys just stand up so that those who went can applaud you and say thank you, guys? And sit back down. No judgment if you didn't stand. That's okay. But uh, as we begin to, as people continue to share, as we come back and share, um, my, this is my, my hope, that it would not only be for the sake of information. As I, I'm going to talk today, too. I, I don't want it just to be information that, oh, maybe it's something nice. I'll fill in the blank. This is good information. But can you hear it as an opportunity towards intercession to begin to pray in a deeper way? For the kingdom of God as it moves in this battleground earth? And can it encourage you to a deeper intercession for the people of Ecuador and for your missionaries 
as you join the struggle with them. But not only that, um, I hope and pray that as you hear this word this morning and as you hear the testimonies to come, that you would hear it for the purpose of God's invitation for you. That you would hear these stories and you would say, you know, how can I get involved? How can I get in the game? There's a world of a difference between you going to a a football game, a a baseball game, a basketball game, and and sitting there clapping and cheering versus knowing the exhilaration of getting in the game and kicking and scoring a goal. We played a lot of soccer in Ecuador, and I, I, I don't really play soccer. I was very content to sit on the sidelines cheering the team on and yelling, go, go, you can score. Why aren't you scoring? Why did we lose every game? Keep on trying. There's that exhilaration. And then the time where uh, someone was like, they, had a, they like were, were killing over it and, and, and dying. And they said, I need a sub. I need a sub. So I take off my backpack. I go in. And once I'm in the game, <laughs> I'm like, man, I want to I actually score a goal. I want to be the, one of the people that puts the ball into the goal. There's a world of a difference, even though you never thought it was possible for you to get in the game because you didn't think that you had anything to offer. Once you get up off your seat and get into the ball game to see the joy of being out there and playing and engaging and working and laboring, could you see these times as an invitation for you to say, I don't want to just be the one clapping and cheering. I want to get out there. I want to get out there. I want to be part of it. I'm going to make it happen so that I can do this. Whether that means going, sending, whatever that means. Say, I want to be part of it. I want to be part of it. Can you do that? I want to encourage us today through uh, Philippians chapter two and again, uh, chapter one. And again, I wasn't there for a lot of the wildness that, uh, that our brother shared about, but um, I was there for, for some of the parts, the, the, the middle part in the Amazon, the ministry out there. And so I want to share um, maybe some, some, uh, some broad brushstrokes, two, two thoughts as we uh, look into Philippians one verses 12 through 14, uh, written by uh, the apostle Paul. He's in jail, presumably in Rome. He's in jail about to die, perhaps, waiting his conviction uh, as he's awaiting trial. Writes to a church in uh, northern Greece in Macedonia, the church in Philippine. This is God's word. Now, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. This is a part of the word of God for the people of God. So as we think about this, Philippians 1, what is a man who lived 2,000 years ago who's sitting in a prison cell awaiting conviction, writing to a church in Philippi, have anything to do with us 2,000 years later as we sit here in Winter Garden? I tell you, it has everything to do. Everything to do. And I'll tell you just two, two reasons why. The first thing is that the gospel advances because of hardship. Okay? The gospel advances because of hardship, not in spite of it. Okay? The gospel, Paul is clear, advances because of hardship, not just in spite of it. Think about the hardship in your life. Have you experienced hardship? The message of the apostle is that the gospel, because of that hardship, is going to reach into areas where it couldn't before. Not simply in spite of it. I'm going to suck it up and make the most of it. But because of that, the gospel is going forth. Uh, Paul is in jail. And the question that 
the church in Philippi, the church that he started on a missionary journey. You remember the Macedonian call in Acts where uh, he saw a man from Macedonia say, come, bring the gospel to us. So Paul redirected his course and went to Macedonia to bring the gospel. Philippi is one of the places where he went in Macedonia, started a church, and then he had to leave. And so these people, you imagine the, the, the guy who starts your church leaves and has given himself to you, and all of a sudden he's in prison. And the trial that's going to happen is going to determine whether he lives or dies. And that's why he can say, hey, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain in verse 21. So the question that they're asking is, how is Paul doing? How are you doing as you know that you may hear word that your head is on the line? Oh, so they're wondering and they're asking and, and a courier comes with a letter from the apostle Paul saying, we've got a letter for you, church in Philippi, from the apostle Paul. Are you okay, Paul? Are you worried? Are you concerned? Are you hungry? Are you cold? Are you well-fed? How are you doing? Are you in confinement? Do you have friends? Or what's going on? Are you, are you well? Are you sick? Are you healthy? All these questions. And in verse 12, he shifts the focus away from himself. And he says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. He's like not interested in telling them about his physical condition or about what the jail cell looks like or about how smelly people are, or how he has to defecate in the, in the corner of his. He's not worried about any of those things. The only thing he's worried about is letting the people know that, hey, whatever is happening to me is an open door for the gospel to go forth. And you've got to know that. You've got to see that the gospel advances because of this hardship, not simply in spite of it. The language that he uses when he says to advance the gospel, you have to understand it's a military term where an army is going forth against the enemy and they can no longer cross because there's an impenetrable forest. There's a forest where this army cannot go. They cannot advance any further. And so they're hindered from moving forward. And so this word advance means that there's a group of woodcutters who come and they clear the forest. They clear the obstacles. They knock down the trees in order that the advancing army could move forward. He's saying, I want you to know that my imprisonment is what is advancing the gospel. They are the woodcutters for the gospel to advance because if I were not in jail, the gospel would not be reaching these places. And he is crystal clear in his conviction about that, saying the reason I'm in jail, don't worry about me, the reason I'm in jail is for the sake of the kingdom of God. And it is reaching places in prison where your mind would be blown. It would not have gone if I were not in here. And not only that, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace, not just the prison, but the palace. This is the king, the governors, the leaders, throughout the entire palace guard, that the reason he's there is because of Jesus Christ. He's saying, make no mistake about it. I am utterly, absolutely convinced that the reason I'm here is for the sake of the gospel. And the gospel is moving forward in this place because I'm in jail awaiting my pending trial. That's it. That's it. That's all you need to know church in Philippi. I'm doing fine. Very well. Thank you very much. Is there hardship in your life that you've wondered, why am I going through this? Could it be that the reason you're there is because that hardship is the open door, if you would walk through it, that's going to lead to the gospel advancing in places where it could not go before? I got an email from a, 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 a buddy of mine uh, who was uh, actually a, a friend, an acquaintance, 
a friend of a friend, I, I guess. Um, th- this is a lady, we'll call her Mary. Mary, um, just some time ago, has been diagnosed with cancer. Okay, it's not the first time, it's not the second time, it's not the third time, for multiple times. Gone through treatment, gotten better, gone through treatment, gotten better, all thing is okay, and then it comes back again. And so Mary's roommate, friend of mine, was telling me uh, of all this stuff that's happening. As a Mary was waiting to be discharged from the hospital. They're waiting for the wheelchair to come. The wheelchair was delayed in coming. And so roommates waiting, waiting, waiting. And so finally Mary comes back home a lot later than expected. And she walks in the door and she's like glowing and beaming. Saying, God is awesome. In the midst of this, whatever treatment that, uh, that, that Mary's gone through that's causing all kinds of physical ailments and emotional issues and stuff like that. Uh, she comes back home, says, God is awesome. And she begins to talk about how uh, today I shared the gospel with my nurse. I shared the gospel with my nurse and I I began to tell her about Jesus. I I shared the gospel. I shared testimony and I gave her a Bible. As I looked up, this nurse was crying as she was talking about how difficult life has been lately and how I'm so glad that you came into my life and, and you're like an angel who came to bring hope to me. And as, as, as Mary's sharing the gospel with her nurse, she says, I, I invited her to my church and I, I gave her the address and Mary looked at it and she said, wow, this is right on the road that I live. This is right down the street from where I live. And she was so excited and she said, I'm going to come this Sunday. So Lord willing, she's there right now or she's there at, at, at church worshiping. And, and Mary said, God used me. He delights in one sinner coming to repentance in Jesus Christ's name. Said, God is using my cancer, even my broken body is using my cancer to reach into places where the gospel couldn't go. And one person, if one person can come to Christ because of my cancer, then wow, what an honor that God would use me for that. And then she went on to say, I only met my nurse in the time when I was waiting for the wheelchair to come. Otherwise, would never have met her. God uses cancer in a delayed wheelchair to bring the message of hope to a person who desperately needed it. The gospel advanced because of that hardship of cancer and because of a delayed uh, wheelchair waiting to go home in a way that it could not have. It's not just in spite of all of these things, but because of those things, that's why Mary was there in that hospital. Because of a wheelchair that didn't come, she was there to share the gospel with this nurse who came by to wait with her. When we were in Ecuador, when we were in, in, in the Amazon, we saw the kingdom of God move in great power. And usually, you know, you could read in the letter that I wrote, usually we have a, a video that is uh, made to show. And I think you'll, you'll be pretty amazed at some of the, uh, the photography and the videography that our guys Ryan and, and, and uh, our other dude have captured. It will blow your mind at some of the things that you've seen, that you'll see. It is amazing when we go, the, the first place we go, a new place, as a brother shared, we go to a place called Puerto Libre. And before we have this worship service in a gym, they say, let's go to, um, let's, let's baptize some people. So we go down to, to, to the river and I'm, I'm in my mind the whole time, I'm one, I don't really like rivers very much. I don't like beaches for that matter. I don't like water in general, but I'm curious because I, I, I'm going in that water. And so I think about where's the river? Where's the river? So walk in there, walk in there, we go up a hill and on a back of a pickup truck and finally we get there. And I look at the river. There's only one river there. And I, I, I'm certain this cannot be the river because the river looks like chocolate milk. I mean, it's brown. It's like, it's like iced. It's like mocha, right? Right? 
you guys were there. It was like, I was like, this can't be. So just to be sure, I mean, there, again, there's no water anywhere else. But I said to our missionary Gonzalo, I said, um, <laughs> I don't even think this is proper Spanish, but I said, bautismo aquí? <laughs> and he looked at me and he's like, see. Sí. And so I said, okay, that's all right. And then he's like, come. And he, he waves me over to the, to the shore, to the bank of the river. And he picks up the water. And literally, it's like he's holding chocolate milk. And he says, pastor, clarito, which I think means pastor, it's clear, right? Is that what it means? It's clear. I literally LOL'd. I laughed out loud. And I thought to, my, I thought to myself, is Gonzalo joking? And then I remember Gonzalo doesn't tell jokes. <laughs> and so I guess he means that this water really is clear. And so we went in and we saw the baptism of six people who had recently given their lives to Christ. And we're saying, I'm crossing the line and I'm going to follow Jesus. And it's a powerful thing when you're standing in the waters and people go down and they come back in. And on the shores, you hear people singing in Spanish and Korean and English. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. One of the men who was baptized in that river, and I'm sure maybe Carmen will tell you more about it later, but one of the men who was baptized was very emotional the whole time. And he said just months ago uh, in that same river, he lost his five-year-old son. And he was weeping as Carmen, who just went through the loss of her mother, and Tico's father, who knows what it is to lose uh, his son, also came around him and wept with him and prayed with him and prayed for the hope that only Christ can give. The waters that symbolize death, symbolize life, and we were able to take part in that. That night, as we, a few hours later, as we had worship and we invited people to come, if you want to follow Jesus, even though following Jesus is hard, even though it comes at a cost, even though it may not always look good when you follow Jesus, you may be abandoned by family. If you're wanting to come forward to follow Christ, come forward. And out of the stands, men and women came forward, some of them with weeping tears in their eyes as they gave their lives to follow Christ. This is what you were part of. And we went to another place called Lago Agrio. At Lago Agrio, church just began meeting in the home of a, of a, of a family very recently. The mother had been through cancer. Father had a, some other kind of ailment. Son had brain disease, yeah? Uh, one by one, all these people with these major illnesses were prayed for, and they found healing in the name of Jesus. They opened up their home, said, come, have worship with us. And so these people packed into this little, uh, little canopy and were worshiping the Lord. And as they heard the message that there is a God who loves them in such a way that he would send his son to die for them, and people coming forward to give their lives to Christ and our people coming up and praying for them with tears, investing, pouring into their soul that may a church begin out of this group of people. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. And then we went to a place called Dashino, where last year you remember with tears some of our people sharing about the spiritual darkness in Dashino. They didn't want us to be there. They didn't let us preach there. They only let us play with their kids, give out stuff. In a year's time, these people wide open to the gospel. Four people we baptized in a river there, a a woman and three of her children, teenage girls saying, I want to follow Jesus. I want to follow him, but there's so much people telling me, why are you following him? Go this way, go that way. I want to stand for Christ. Saying, I want to walk with Jesus. I want to follow him. And, and that night, 
worship service, not many people there. But as we gave an invitation amidst all of these mosquitoes and all of these bugs, waiting, 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 one girl comes up. And she says, is this where I stand? Yeah, stand here. Waiting another minute. Usually, you know, this is not like really effective altar calling, but just waiting. We're waiting, waiting. And then all of a sudden, like streams of people from the seats of Dashino come forward saying that we want to follow Jesus. We want to walk with him. And as I asked our people to come forward to pray for them, again, elderly women just weeping over the knowledge that there's a God who loves them, whose sins could be forgiven. It's a beautiful thing. And every time, I, I, I want our people to be involved in this, to, to pray and to, to pour into their lives. And I want to see the response of our people. It's late in the day. We've been there all day long, tired, weary, hot, sweaty, smelly, stinky, hungry. But to see them pouring out their hearts into these people. But I always make it a point. I always make it a point to look at, at Tico's dad. And he's always the one who's, taking video, taking video. And then when he prays, he prays with such a fervency and a passion. Why? Because I think he knows. He knows that the only reason the gospel is penetrating into these new places is because his son went home to be with the Lord. You see, you you know the story maybe, but in 2011, KJ's son, Joshua, went home to be with the Lord. That was going to be our last time going to Ecuador. But after he went home to be with the Lord, we nailed our tent pegs into the ground, and we said, we're, we're giving our lives to this place. Without Tico going home to be with the Lord, there is no Ecuador mission 2012, no Ecuador mission 2013, 2014, no mission trip here 2015 to Ecuador, maybe to DR, maybe to some other place, but there's no mission unless the hardship of Tico going home takes place. See, from here on out, every single, I am utterly convinced that from a human perspective, I'm completely convinced that the only reason souls being saved in the Amazon region, you have to understand, missionaries do not go there. Churches are not started there. Even amongst the the, the leadership of the denomination, they don't go down to this place because landslides happen all the time. People die all the time. It's not safe to go out there. The only reason the gospel is going forth is because there's a missionary that we've put out there, Gonzalo, who came to know the opportunities out there because of Tico going home to be with the Lord. I'm absolutely convinced that every person who enters glory and gives themselves to the kingdom of God and puts their trust in Christ is a direct result of the wood-cutting work of the loss of our son, Tico. And every single person in Amazonian Ecuador who comes to the saving knowledge of Jesus through these ministries has come because of the hardship that Tico's family has been through and that his friends and that others have been through. I'm utterly convinced that the gospel does not break forth in that area in any point, anywhere near the velocity and with the force that it's going forth with unless... Tico goes home to be with the Lord. And so we say, along with the Apostle Paul, I want you to know, brothers and sisters in Ecuador, that what has happened to us has really served to advance the gospel. It is the only way possible. You got to get this, guys. You and I are part of something so much bigger that we will forever indelibly be linked to the people of that region. And our names 
They don't know any of our names. They know Dr. Lee. They know Dr. Lee because they love his dentistry. They don't know any of us. They don't know any of our names. I tell you, when they get to heaven, they'll be making a beeline to see some of the people who've been praying for the salvation of their souls because our brother went home to be with the Lord. It's because of hardship that the gospel goes forth. You've got to get this, guys. The second thing, second thing to piggyback on that, that our response to hardship makes all the difference in the world. Our response to hardship is going to make all the difference in the world. If it's true that the gospel in some parts, some places can only move forward because of hardship, then how you respond to hardship is going to make all the difference because the reality is not will I face hardship. The reality is you will. What will you do with the hardship that comes upon you? I've uh, talked about this before, but I love that scene from Karate Kid too. You know, the one where he's in Okinawa and he's, uh, I forget what he's doing there, but he meets this like beautiful Japanese girl that every Asian man was in love with at the time. They were teenagers. So he's kind of hanging with her. And the problem is that there's a dude who likes her also. And so, you know, as all great Kung Fu movies, there's a, there's a love triangle here. So Daniel LaRusso is in this uh, Okinawan club and he's dancing with this girl, you know, rock, rock around the clock tonight. And I'm oh, so tired. You're a great dancer. We taught you how to dance. Oh, my mama, let's go sit down and confess our love to each other. So they're confessing their love to one another. Do you have a boyfriend? Are you arranged? No, I'm not arranged. What does that mean? It means that you're pledged to someone. Oh, I'm not. Are you arranged? No, I'm not arranged. Oh, we love each other. And then just as they're about to hold hands, bad guy comes in and Daniel's like, oh, oh no, I'm not looking for trouble. <laughs> And then this is what the guy says. This is great. Like theological truth, deep theological truth, 101 from the lips of a Japanese thug. He says, maybe trouble looking for you. <laughs> Even though we're not looking for trouble. A lot of us aren't looking for trouble. We're not looking to get beat up by a Japanese gangster. We're, we're not looking to be stuck on the side of a mountain for 40. We're not looking for that. But sometimes it's just a matter of fact. It happens in life. And how we respond to that can make all the difference in the world. We respond by sight, one thing. We respond by faith, it's another thing. What does Daniel do? Grabs the opportunity by the horns, and he punches a guy in the gut, and he runs away with the love of his life. He doesn't sit there and say, oh, Oh, yeah, you're right. Trouble comes looking for me. Take my girlfriend and beat me up. Take my wallet. That's it. It's over. Because that's what a lot of people do. Hardship comes. We're like, oh, woe is me. Paul didn't sit here in this Roman prison. So, hey, hey, guys, come over. I'm throwing a block party. Come to my party, my pity party. He didn't say that. He didn't say, woe is me. Look at, oh, I've been faithfully preaching the gospel. And then look at me. I'm in jail now. He didn't say that. And you know what? If people are going to be in jail, that means they can't get out of here. I'm going to preach the gospel to them. They can't go anywhere. And so he turns imprisonment into a revival. Right? When you, man, it, it, you go to your barbershop to sit down, right? Barbershop to sit down. You know, barbers always got to make small talk with you. What an opportunity. Right? What an opportunity. They ain't going to go anywhere. Right? You're, tip, you're tipping them, right? They can't go anywhere. You tell them. I don't know why our people were stuck on the side of a mountain, but I tell you, I tell you one thing I know is that this is going to be a great story that you're going to tell one day. Uh, have you ever, uh, have you ever been stuck on the side of a mountain because of landslides for 40 hours and had to sleep in a bus? And you'll be the only one, unless you're with <laughs> other people who are in that landslide. But you'll be the only, and then say, why? Well, because 
we were in like the sticks in the Amazon. In the Amazon, what were you doing there? Let me tell you a story. I don't know. That's, I mean, I, that's what I would do. Yeah, one of the things that um, when we, uh, so I heard this, there's a pastor in, in uh, Birmingham that, that used to do this. So for a little bit, I did this. And, and recently I did this as well. Uh, we sit down to eat at a restaurant. As a server brings us food, uh, we say, hey, we're about to pray. We're about to say grace. Is there, you know, is there something that uh, is going on in your life that we can pray for you about? Usually they'll be taken aback by it, but sometimes there'll be people who've got something ready to pop. It's like the Staples push me button or easy button. You just push that button and easy, right? They just start coming out and you, you pray for them. And especially if you go to that restaurant over and over and over, you begin to build a relationship with them. Yeah, it's a powerful expression of the gospel and an opportunity for the gospel to go forth. But how you respond to hardship in your life is going to be the difference between life and death for a lot of people, really. It could be. We walk by faith and not by sight. You know the story here, right? But for those of you who don't, who haven't heard it, I, um, in 2011, when our, when our college student Tico went home to be with the Lord, he, 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 we lost him in a river. And so for the next... Uh, Probably about five days or so, we're going up and down uh, rivers in canoes, in boats, calling police and calling fire department, all these people uh, trying to find the body so we can find some sense of closure and bring the body back, have a funeral service, celebrate his life and, and the work of God. And as soon as it happened, I remember the question, because that was going to be our last, I mean, that was our last day in Ecuador. I mean, we'd go back that day to Quito, fly out the next morning. So that was the last night in Ecuador ever, if that's the way our plans worked. And so I remember when we lost Tico asking our, our people, hey, uh, what do you think? What do you think about coming back potentially? And uh, all of them at, at, at some point said, yeah, you know, I think, we, I think we've got to come back. And when uh, Brother KJ, that's Tico's dad, came down with Joseph, Tico's brother, and our senior pastor, as we're searching, as we're looking at one, one quiet moment, um, senior pastor said to me, David, what do you think? You know, you want to come back here? And I, you know, I'd had a couple of days to, to think and process. And I, I said, yeah, you know, I think the message that we're communicating here as they're beginning to open their hearts up to us. I think the message we're communicating if we leave is they're going to think the reason we left is because Tico died. And I want them to be able to know that the work and the message that we've come to proclaim is bigger than life and it's bigger than, than death. But I think it was, you know, it's not what, uh, that's not the important thing. I think what, what, what really deepened and planted our roots was when uh, after the second or third day of, of sun up till sundown, searching up and down the river, we got together uh, frustrated because of the uh, inability of the government to help us out because of the poor infrastructure. Three boats that uh, the military had, all of them were broken because they never ride on these boats because no one in the army knows how to swim. And the only people that can drive it is the fire department. But one fire department man, fire, uh, what do these people call Fireman was sick. And so he didn't, the other two people, they couldn't leave two people alone and all this like craziness. And by the time they got to the boat, the boats broke because they, they, no one knew how to fix it. And Frustration after frustration. And so we gather together at night to share and to pray. I'm thinking what kind of message to bring hope to, uh, to the, the situation as we gather together. Tico's dad, his brother, pastor, Chris Hoskins, uh, um, our missionary, a missionary down there, a couple of other people. And so um, KJ says uh, he wants to share first. And so I'm fully anticipating frustration, uh, bitterness, anger, sadness, remorse, weariness. 
But he opens up the Bible to Joshua chapter 1, verse 3, and he talks about how he'd been reading Joshua chapter 1, meditating on it. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 3, it says that I will give you every place you set your foot in this land. And he closed his Bible and he said, I think the reason why we haven't been able to find my son's body is because God wanted me to go up and down and see this land in order that I might fall in love with it, in order that this land would become my land, because I believe that God is promising that his kingdom is going to be built here. I said, what the nasty? Are you kidding me? Not the response that I was expecting. And he said, the tuition money I was going to use to send my son to college, I'm going to pour that into the kingdom of God to be built here in Ecuador. And all of a sudden, it was completely clear. Yeah, we're going to give our lives for this place. We're going to plant the mission down here, and we're going to see the kingdom go forth. And the other day as we were uh, sharing one night, the other night as we were sharing, he came back and he said, you know, four years ago when we were looking for my son, we passed by in canoe in a place called Lago Agrio. And I felt God saying, there's going to be something that happens in this place. And when we went on last Sunday, a week from today, a week ago today, worshiping in that place, Lago Agrio, seeing people who had been healed from physical ailment, seeing people come to the saving knowledge of Jesus, KJ said, I began to see the fulfillment of that promise from four years ago. I think there's a special heart that he has for that place, obviously. And I think there's a longing in his heart to know that because of my son, this is what's happening. The kingdom of God is moving forward. Lives are being changed. This region is going to be transformed. And he wants to know that my son's loss was not in vain. And he desperately clings to the promises of the promise maker, promise keeper. You finish what you begin. And the reason why when we give altar calls, we give invitations, when I ask people to pray, I always sneak a glimpse at Brother KJ. Because in him, I think I see a little bit of the heart of a, the aching heart of a father who knows what it is to not only lose his son, but to give his only begotten son. And I begin to see how deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. I think about that as, he, as Jesus Christ hung on the cross. I think about what it meant, how deep the pain of searing loss so much that the Father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one, bring many, do you get it? Bring many sons to glory. It's not just one or two people, but God's promise is that through the death of one, John 12, 24, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. We're seeing that. But it's not just a call for one or two or for Jesus alone. It's a call for all of us to see 
Don't you see? It's not the mission of just one or two people years ago. This is for all of us to realize that this is a call, the grace of God in such a way that caused his only son to die so that many could come to the saving knowledge. That's a call for all of us. It's not just a call for our brother to go to the Middle East. It's not just a call for, for, for 14 to go to Ecuador. This is for all of us. We could see revival happen if we're willing to get up and to move and to sacrifice for the glory of God. To say, I'm not just going to spend all of my money on buying stuff for my friends and, and eating out all the time. I'm going to channel these funds into something that is eternal. I'm not going to make excuses for this and that and for why I've got to do this and that. I'm going to get up and I'm going to be part of it because I'm going to lay my life down because there's no movement. There's no kingdom fruit unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies. Right? This isn't just information. This is an invitation. And I hope and pray that as we hear this, that some of us would begin to embrace the call and say, you know what? Every week, I'm going to save 10 bucks. If you save 10 bucks, 20 bucks every week, you could fund a missionary. You could go. You could buy your plane ticket. You could get out there the next time we go. This isn't just for a secret high class of of souped up model believers. This is the basic entry level model of followers of Christ. He's calling all of us to be part of the mission of God. Come on, let's go. Let's go. Let's be involved in the mission. Let's get involved in the kingdom work in Egypt where our brothers and sisters are. Let's get involved in in Thailand where our our brothers and sisters are, wherever our people are. And let's go. Got one life to live. It's too short. It's too short to live for the here and now. It's too short to live for the here and now. Eternity awaits. Eternity matters. Eternity is real. And it beckons us that we would hear the call, that we would hear the cries, and that we would go at his invitation. Let's pray. There's a song that I used to hear that we used to sing in another day, long before I was even born, an old hymn. And I love the words to this hymn. Has come and join the reapers. All you kingdom seekers, laying down your lives to find it in the end. Come and share the harvest. Come to light the darkness. For the Lord is calling faithful men and women. When Jesus calls a person, to salvation, calls him to come, to follow him. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. We paint a picture that missional life is war, and it is. But I promise you that none of the people who went to Ecuador this year, amidst all that they endured, would say that there were any regrets that they went. I believe that every single one of them in a heartbeat would say, I would go back again. I would go back again. Because even though it's not easy, there's a beauty and there's a joy and there's a power in abandoning ourselves for the will of God. Because that's how life was meant to be lived. It wasn't meant to be lived one hand clinging desperately to the shore, the other hand wanting to go out into deeper water. It was meant to be lived in full-out abandon, saying, Jesus, I trust you, and I'll follow you wherever you go. 
wherever you call me to go. That's where life begins. Pushing away from the shore, walking under the waters. That's what Jesus calls us to. Can we pray, Lord God? I want to follow you. Right now, I don't know what that means. Maybe that means I take the hardship of my life and I leverage it to go. Allow the gospel to go places where it couldn't go. God, if that's what you're calling me to, I'm going to not be afraid of my hardship anymore. I'm going to move towards it. I'm going to let it be used for your glory. Maybe others of you, God's putting in your heart a conviction. Not, Not an emotion, but a conviction. Something that repeatedly comes back to speak to you. Saying, you need to go. You got to go. You got to go. You got to do what you've got a year to get your ducks in a row, and then you got to go. Maybe others of you, the conviction is deep in your heart that God's been blocking the door for you to go, and He's saying, hey, you need to be sacrificial in your sending. You need to give more sacrificially for the work of the kingdom. You've got the resources. You're just sitting on it. You've got what it takes to see more people go, but you're selfish with it. Not emotion, but maybe you feel God saying that over and over again. Right? Respond to that. Respond to it. Right? Don't hold back. Don't shrink back. Step forward. Let's pray right now. Let's pray, God, if this really is from you, help me to take action. Help me to take steps. Help me to move forward. Help me not to stay still. Help me to go. Help me to go forward. Help me to move forward. Help me to take a step. Help me to ask questions. Help me to pray prayers. Whatever it looks like, I, my great fear is that I would do nothing about it and so harden my heart to what you might be saying to me. Right, let's pray. Say, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to respond? Help me, Lord God. Help me, Lord God. So let's pray like that. Let's pray like that. In a moment, I want to give an invitation for us we go forward I want to do this Lord let's pray let's pray God help me help me to move forward help me to take a step help me to go help me to follow you let's pray like that together God 
at a simple level is it's stated to us in the Bible. The Great Commission has been given to every believer. It's not a great option. It's not a great take it or leave it. It's not a great suggestion. It's the Great Commission that God has called us to co-labor with him in the mission of God. And he says, all authority been given to me, and I give it to you to go to the ends of the earth. And I'll be with you wherever you go. Be with you wherever you go. If you are the kind of, you know, you're in here and you've heard that and you've heard the cries of the people and you hear God saying into your heart, you hear the cries of the people don't know the Lord and you want to respond, right? This isn't about, hey, I'll go if you go or if other people do it, I'll do it. But it's between you and God and you feel like, yeah, that's me. I don't want to make excuses anymore. I don't want to say this is why I can't or this is why I'm not qualified or this is why it's impossible. God, I want to follow you. I want to get in the game. I want to see with my own eyes the things that other people talked about so I can sing the songs, things that I've actually seen. Maybe you're not sure how that's going to be possible. But for now, you just feel that God's saying, yeah, you got, you got to move and do something to get a, out of the current state that you're in for the sake of the kingdom. If you feel that is you, just going to invite you to stand from where you are as a sign of your commitment and for your own accountability to say, yeah, you know what? I'm going to take a stand right now. I'm going to do this. If that's you, you can just stand from where you are. I want to go. I want to go next year. As long as the Lord doesn't close the door, I want to go to missions. In my life right now, wherever it is, at school, I want to be a missionary. I want to follow you. God, I want to go wherever you lead me. To DR, to Ecuador, I don't know what it's looking like. But I just feel like, God, you're, you're challenging me to do this. Not be a sender necessarily, but to be a goer. I want to go. As long as you don't say no, I will go. So that's you. I'm just going to invite you to stand from where you are as your commitment to the Lord. I want to follow you. As you do, just begin to pray. You can lift your hands to the Lord as a sign of receiving. Lord, fill me with your spirit. I want to go. I want to follow you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, you feel in your heart God saying, hey, let's go. Let's go. Let's be part of the work of God. And as you wrestle in prayer, let's follow God in his call. Lord, I want to follow while you're standing. Continue to pray while you're seated. If there are folks in here you feel like not as a cop-out because, you know, Piper says if 
you could send all you want, but if you're not willing to go and you're not qualified to send, it's easy to write a check, but God doesn't cash out-of-state checks in heaven, is what one man said. It's easy to write a check. And maybe it's hard to write a check. It's hard to give. If you're willing to go, but God's saying, hey, stay and send, and, and that's where you feel God calling you to be. I want you to make a commitment in your heart that, God, I want to send to the best of my ability, sacrificially, in my prayer, in my giving. God, I want to be that kind of a person. I want to be the best sender that I could be. I want to put more people on the mission field and sustain them than anyone else. I want to be able to do that, to have godly ambition in that way. So if you feel like God is calling you to be a sender, can I invite you to just remain seated and, and maybe lift both hands in the air as a sign of, of prayer as you pray and just begin to intercede on behalf of the nations, your house churches, maybe the Dominican Republic, to pray for, for Ecuador. Let's do that together. Let's pray. Let's, let's do missions work now while we are here. Sunday worship service in Winter Garden. Let's do missions work. Let's fight for the nations right now. Okay, can we pray in that way? Let's pray. For those of you who are standing, continue to pray. God, I surrender my heart to you. For those who are sending, let's pray for the nations as you lift your hands to the Lord. And then for others who are, remain seated, just continue to pray. Lord, help me to faithfully follow you, whatever that means. And let's pray together. Let's pray and let's uh, yeah, just seek the kingdom of God in this place. seated, whether you're a, you want to be a sender or you want, you're, you're just praying through what God would have you do. Can we, can I just ask some of you to come around those people who are standing right now? Just put your hand on their back or hold their hand and let's pray for them. Lord, we're sending them. God, I want to send them well, faithfully, in order that they might fulfill their God-given call whatever God has said. So if you're seated, you can look around, stand up. Get If there's someone who's uh, by themselves standing, let's go and let's pray for them. Let's pray that as a sign of what missions looks like in a battleground, people going, people sending together on one team, let's pray for one another in that way. Can we do that? Yeah, let's lift each other up. Make sure that you know there's a couple people praying for each of those who are standing. Let's ask the Lord God. Lord, help our church to be a missional church, to be a missional uh, force, a movement that would lead people to see uh, your glory. Let's pray together for one another. Pray for conviction. Pray for strength. Pray for faithfulness to the call of God. Let's pray for one another in that way. Thank you, Lord God Almighty.